3: Now you can get more Radiolab on our YouTube channel, catch up on new episodes, hear classics from our archive, plus watch other cool things we did in the past, music videos, short films, animations, behind the scenes features, complete Radiolab live shows, come meet the team, check out the starter kit of some of our favorite episodes, plus discover plenty more stuff you won't find in the podcast feed. Take a look, explore, subscribe. Just get more Radiolab at youtube.com/slash RadiolabPod.
4: Oh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> you're listening, listening to Radiolab. Lab. Radiolab from <laughs> WNYC. Yep.
0: I'm Simon Adler, this is Mixtape, and uh, before we start today, do you know that feeling, have, have you had the experience when someone you love or someone you know has died, and then maybe a week or a month or a year later you, you hear their voice, their recorded voice, again? There's something about that. It's, it's strange. It's eerie. But also precious. Anyhow, this is the story of that feeling multiplied 3.3 million times.
5: Welcome to this military training tape. This tape is designed to be informative to the soldier about making your own... Ghosts and spirits and screaming banshees. And disembodied souls lost in a netherworld between life
1: Part 1 of this cassette focuses on the means by which these realistic simulations can be made. Understand that this tape is designed to assist you because the
3: army takes these very seriously. Let's begin.
0: How are you this morning, sir? Good. You're looking good, Simon.
1: Uh, as are you, you're very rosy. You
0: We're starting with it. this man, on Win.
1: I am a Vietnamese-American.
0: Today, he's a retired Coca-Cola executive uh, who still somehow loves Coke.
1: It's so fresh for me. In the morning, lunch and dinner. <laughs> Crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> cold,
0: but back in the 60s, he was growing up right in the middle of the Vietnam War.
1: Oh, yes. The U.S. Marines fought against the Viet Cong in front of our house.
0: Literally in front of your house, there were bullets.
1: Just right in front of my house.
0: Wow. And I called him up because of this one story he remembers hearing as a kid that scared the pants off him.
1: My uncles and cousins they went out together hunting in the mountains. Maybe lucky they killed some small animals. But mostly they're looking for dry woods to bring home for burning.
0: Their home was a remote village in the valley of these mountains. And like so many other villages in Vietnam at this time, this one had been caught in the crossfire of the war. And so they'd been living under the constant threat of air raid and
1: invasion. Anyway, they walking...
0: Mile after mile into the mountains, picking up wood as they went, only turning to head
1: home after the sun had set. In the mountains... When it's dark, it's a most quiet place on Earth. With the few winds blow over the top of the trees.
0: And as they're walking along carrying these heavy loads of wood, all of a sudden a sound the men freeze back to back and crouch low to the ground.
1: It's a weird noise. Like a, a voice. Very sad, crying. And screaming. Uh, like a ghost. Finally, maybe 10, 15 minutes later, the voice stopped.
0: The men stood up, gathered their wood, and hurried home. But the next night, late, when the village was asleep,
1: uh, they heard the, 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 the voice echoing from the jungle.
0: The villagers covered their children's ears. They shut their shutters.
1: And duck under the bed.
0: And from then on,
1: every evenings, or so often,
0: this voice would return. Now, the sound that these people were hearing w- was not a ghost, it was actually a weapon a weapon designed and deployed by the U.S. military and their South Vietnamese allies to target the deepest fears of the Vietnamese people. It was only used for a brief moment during the war. But rather than fade away into history, He was one with shrapnel in the neck and mouth. This ghost Bleeding rather badly. I didn't know if he was alive. Has refused Walking
5: over to where the, the bodies were. To die. Are we dead?
3: I don't know. You have to admit, there's something a little sinister (laughs) about all of this.
0: Okay, just to back up, this is historian Eric B. Villard.
3: I am at the U.S. Army Center of Military History in Washington, D.C., and I am a Vietnam War specialist.
0: And Eric says this strange weapon was created in part because of the Korean
3: War. Yeah, during the Korean War. Just over a decade prior. A number of American Soldiers and Marines were captured by the North Koreans. And soon after,
4: You can imagine the surprise.
0: heard on communist radio stations,
4: Exhorting us in their own normal voices.
0: Sounding like communists.
4: Fellow Americans, don't go on
1: with a senseless war. Stop being the tools of the rich capitalists who start wars for profit. Join us as guests of the Chinese People's Volunteer Army.
0: It really spooked a lot of people, uh, on the battlefield and at home.
3: This anxiety that the communists could brainwash good, solid, decent American sons and daughters,
0: And there was this feeling that, like, we've got to get ahead of this. And so during the Vietnam War, the United States became very interested in what motivated the enemy to fight and then figuring out...
3: What can we do to convince those people to not fight? This was PSYOP. Psychological warfare. The warfare of the mind. Its mission is to influence the thoughts of the enemy soldiers
0: idea was if you could persuade people using
3: words and ideas
0: to put down their weapons you could win the war while killing fewer people
3: that's the essence of psychological warfare
0: and who's the best in the world at convincing people to do stuff Ice cold, coke, the, coke, the ad folks of Madison Avenue
3: at that particular moment there was you know this this madman advertising now it's Pepsi. the explosion You'll
0: love that with TVs and radios now in living rooms across the country.
4: Have some crisp Ritz crack
0: All of a sudden there were all of these opportunities mm. to understand what makes us tick.
3: So enjoy. What can I do about my hair?
0: Exploit it. Use halo shampoo. And get us to buy things.
1: Want anything special for your birthday?
0: Just a decent cup of coffee. And the military took note of this. Well, and do we know, were there actually ad folks that, that joined the armed services?
3: Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the areas where they would, you know, look for talent. They would go to people and say, boy. Lucky
0: strike filters will show you plenty of
3: smooth flavor. Your lucky strike campaign was, was really effective. Maybe you can tell us something about how to convince someone to turn in their weapon.
0: And so... All these ad men began to search for a weakness <coughs> in their target audience. Uh, uh, the Viet Cong and North Vietnamese soldier. Nguyễn Văn Sư,
1: 1953.
4: My name is Nguyễn Van So, I joined the military when I was 18 in the year 1971.
1: Vậy đó thì chiến tranh Việt Nam đang ở tình trạng như thế nào?
4: Lúc đó chiến tranh Việt Nam đang ở đỉnh điểm.
0: We hired Vo Trong Dong and Nguyen Van Ha, uh, reporters in Vietnam, to interview a few North Vietnamese and Viet Cong soldiers for us.
3: When you think about these soldiers, they were far, far from where they were born and raised. Most of these kids would be, you know, farmers. Or fishermen, or maybe live in a place like Hanoi?
4: I was a Hanoian. In my sophomore year at the University of Industrial Art, I was the first of the university to join. My college principal even drove me to the army station. And the students lined up on both sides of the gate, clapping hands. At that time, I didn't think much. I thought that the war wouldn't be too terrible. But when I had been in the army for a while, I was mentally broken.
3: I mean, your average North Vietnamese soldier, they're not, they never lived in the jungle. They never lived in the mountains. That that was crazy. And so here they are, squatting in the jungle, hundreds of miles from home. Haven't seen their family in six months, a year, two years.
4: I was hoping that I could get out of the war and go home. I felt like a ship that ran aground and couldn't return to the sea.
1: They're incredibly homesick. So the
0: ad people were like,
3: that's it. That's the emotional appeal. They want to go home.
0: Let's give them an opportunity to quit. Instead, so they start spitballing. Throwing stuff against the wall. Like, what about theater, culture plays, drama skits, live music?
3: They're like, yeah, just try it out. And the Vietnam War very quickly... It becomes this petri dish, this test bed for all these ideas. Oh, boy. And by far,
0: the favorite, the number one tactic was... Leaflets. Yeah
2: cases and cases of these damn leaflets.
0: — That's American PSYOP officer Chad Spar.
2: We call ourselves the bullshit bombers and the professional litterbugs.
0: <laughs> — He and his team would go up in an
2: airplane with all these leaflets. — Fly along 2,500, 3,000 feet over a target area, and we literally threw them out by the handful. You know, you could sit and look out the back, see them streaming out behind you. And there were times when you, you can hear a strong metallic pop when the rounds hit your aircraft. Start taking fire. And that increases the pucker factor substantially.
0: And just uh, the term pucker factor, what, what does that mean?
2: <laughs> Who's going to hear this?
0: Oh, you, you, I'll, if it's inappropriate, <laughs> we'll edit it out.
2: <laughs> it's where your sphincter tightens up so bad. That it might pull a hole, it might pull a piece of fabric out, okay?
0: Wow, okay.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's when you start really throwing stuff out of there.
0: And so these leaflets eventually flutter down to earth, landing in treetops, in gardens, animal pens, creeks.
2: We'd just blanketed the country in those things.
0: And if someone picked one up, they'd basically be holding a coupon. There'd be these graphics.
2: You know, American and uh, South Vietnamese flag, smiling faces.
0: And
3: it'd say something like, Good for one free pass. You're miserable, you probably have malaria, you're homesick. Why don't you just put down your weapon, come over. We'll give you a nice cup of hot coffee coffee. And some warm food.
0: Come in and bring this little piece of paper with you.
3: We'll take care of you.
0: All your problems will be over. So millions and millions of these leaflets were printed and dropped from the sky, but as for whether they were effective,
3: <laughs>
0: here's North Vietnamese veteran Tran Nhat Tho. You need to
4: understand this. Our hatred was very high. No matter what. We young men and women at the time went to liberate the South and reunify our country.
0: And Nguyen Van Su says that while well, the United States was appealing to their desire to go home, North Vietnam and their propaganda was appealing to why they'd left home in the first place. This feeling of being called to something larger than oneself, to their sense of identity and bravery and strength.
4: The goal was to destroy as many enemies as possible. So, these scattered American leaflets falling like leaves, we didn't read them, we were not influenced.
0: But then, oh man, what heck of a day! A special day comes up.
5: That was uh, that was in '64.
0: This is Major Ram Ambroczak, and back in '64, uh, he was a tall guy with a blonde crew cut.
5: I was stationed at the time in uh, a radio station, the official voice of South Vietnam.
0: What are we talking here? Big reel-to-reel recording machines, like is- yeah,
5: all that—a a complete studio.
0: How many reel-to-reel machines are we talking about? <laughs>
5: now you're talking to a very old man here who was there in 1964 now he wants to know how many real, real... <laughs> <laughs> forgive me forgive me well we were shooting you you might be able to get a, a sense of it we were shooting for four hours of original
0: broadcasting that's four hours of pro-South Vietnam content today. You
5: know, that, that was music, news, uh, commentary. There were
0: comedy routines. Two guys coming on there like Abbott and Costello doing Vietnamese jokes. As well as pretty in-depth little radio plays.
5: This idea, idea of the soap opera.
0: Always sort of ending the same way.
5: Somebody dies, and then the music would come in. That was uh, pretty much it.
0: And then one day at a staff meeting, everyone was sitting around a table.
5: Maybe three or four Vietnamese. That's South Vietnamese. Uh, three or four of us.
0: And the production coordinator is going over the broadcast schedule
5: and... Said, OK, on this certain date, I think it was about two weeks hence, said we're going to be on a reduced staff. And we're only going to have, you know, X number of people in here instead of what we usually have and I said, "What well, you know, what's that all about? And he said, well, it's, uh, they're celebrating, you know, this holiday, and they named the holiday.
0: This big national holiday called Trong Nguyen, Wandering Souls Day. And Ray had never heard of it. So he turns to his Vietnamese colleagues and he says, I'd like to know what that is. And so they
5: said, this is, this is the holiday where we honor our dead. This was the first time I'd heard about it, and so we took a good part of that meeting talking about this.
0: They told him that in Vietnamese culture, when you died...
5: You had to be buried in your homeland in order for you to have a chance at a good life in the afterlife. And if they don't have that proper funeral, then their, their spirit is condemned to wander in the ethereal mist for, forever. And they will never, their, their soul will never be at peace. And, you know, I'm thinking, really? Yeah, you know, well, first thing I thought was, you know, stupid. You should know about that already. I should have known about that already. No, really, you know, because all, all those hundreds, thousands of soldiers coming out of North Vietnam to South Vietnam, that's going to fight their battles. That's where they're going to, a lot of them were going to die and there was no way that they were going to get their bodies back to the north to have a proper funeral. And uh, everybody got excited
0: about that. The ad people are like, spiritual fear of death. This was a handmade
5: vulnerability that could be exploited.
0: Not too long after.
2: I got a radio message to come to battalion headquarters at Benoit.
0: Chad Spar enters this Spartan military office.
2: They said, sit down. We got some coffee. They said, sit down.
0: And the officer in charge said, we've got something new.
2: We've got a tool. We want you guys to start using it out in the field.
0: And he reaches over to this small little mini reel-to-reel recorder on the table. And pressed play. And everyone in that room was just sort of mesmerized. Like, no one had ever heard anything like it. And most of them didn't know what it was saying.
2: I was the only one who who had any language training, so I I got it real quick.
0: And what, what was it saying?
2: It's essentially the disembodied voice of a soldier, a communist soldier who's
0: been killed. My friends, I come back to let you know that I am dead. Dead. I'm in hell, just hell. It was a senseless death. How senseless, how senseless. He's in horrible
2: distress because he's lost, his body's lost, he can't be properly cared for. He can't be properly prepared for burial and properly vitiated by his his family to, to carry him forward into the afterlife. It's a spirit in anguish.
0: To give some context, we're just 22 years after Bing Crosby and Jack Mullen started editing audio on tape for the first time.
4: It seems to me
0: just 14 years after Bing released his first track, where he layered his voice on top of itself. I mean, the stuff was still pretty damn new. And so to create this tape, for weeks or months, we're not really sure, a team of sound designers and producers had hunkered down in a recording studio and taken Jack and Bing's techniques to their logical extreme. Using some of the latest sound equipment, including hot off the market, just released. A tape recorder, my Super tape recorder with built in mic.
1: Cassette tape recorder.
4: Cheap portable tape recorders. Almost any sound can be recorded magnetically and So back. simple, so convenient, so easy to use.
0: Armed with this new tool, the producers could go out into the world and and collect sound.
3: Let's let's get some audio of, let's say, a Buddhist funeral dress.
0: Again, historian Eric
3: Villard. Well, you just go down the street, there's one going on. And they run out there with a tape recorder. And you get audio of that. And then, um, let's say...
0: You see a woman crying on the street.
3: Literally anguishing and you get that audio. They're scavengers like that.
0: Some of them even hopped on a plane to Bangkok
3: because they got a zoo there
0: to record the sound of a tiger growling.
3: And then maybe if we, like, put a little echo and flange on that, you know... Play around with it, see if we can get something spooky out of that. This is sort of an early iteration of sound design.
0: For the voices, they hired
3: actors. Or maybe you grabbed the secretary from down the hall.
0: Got them to read a script, slapped a little echo on there.
3: There's no handbook, per se.
0: And after much trial and error, they'd created a ghost capture it on magnetic tape.
2: After we got done playing it, I was talking to one of the the Vietnamese uh, who worked there in the office. He was a Vietnamese infantry sergeant who'd been through a lot. And um, I said, what do you think about it? He said, said, I don't like it. He said, why not? he says, it it, it hits my soul. And um, when he said that, I, I, I knew that it had some potential power. So, you know, they gave me a little tape player with some batteries and the tape. And so I packed myself up and went back to Quanloy to play the Wandering Soul
0: tape. The gates of hell are opened. Right after a quick break.
3: This from Ypsilanti, Michigan.
1: Mixtape, a special series from Radiolab, is supported in part by Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative, the Shanahan Family Charitable Foundation, and the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation.
4: This is the end of Side One. The program continues on the other side of the cassette. Radiolab is supported by Betterment.
3: Let's talk about you and your money. You like your free time, you like to relax every now and then, you like to feel totally chill, but your money, your money likes to work. Learn more about high yield cash accounts at betterment.com. Investing involves risk, performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank.
0: Radiolab is supported by TurboTax. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, filing with 100% accuracy and getting your max refund guaranteed. So whether you started a podcast, side-hustled your way to concert tickets, or sold Hollywood memorabilia, switch to TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Hi, I'm Adam Grant, host of the podcast Rethinking, a show where I talk to some of today's greatest thinkers about the unconventional ways they see the world. On Rethinking, you'll get surprising insights from scientists, leaders, artists, and more. People like Reese Witherspoon, Malcolm Gladwell, and Yo-Yo Ma. Hear lessons to help you find success at work, build better relationships,
4: and more. Find Rethinking wherever you get your podcasts. Part two
5: of this cassette guides you through a... tape tour of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. At each stop, you hear me. Here in this city, you can see the scars...
0: Before uh you have any special instructions for me
5: of yesterday's wars
1: there the VC are run out open there in a streamline where it makes the cut back to the east and thick trees uh order oh, that stop 1
3: our
4: tour will begin
0: I'm Simon Adler. this is Mixtape, back with uh Chad Spar who'd just been given the wandering soul tape and orders to get it in the ears and the souls of the enemy Do you remember the first time you used this thing? Yeah. um, He and his team had gathered at the Loi Air Base. It's a dirt-packed runway in the middle of a rubber plantation. The soil up there is full of iron.
2: so Everything gets stained red. You know, it gets into your skin, under your nails, in your ears. You can't ever get rid of it. Um,
0: Anyway, they decided the creepiest time to play this tape would be late at night.
2: We went out at about 2 o'clock in the morning. I had three or four South Vietnamese soldiers with me for security, and I'd showed them on the map where we wanted to go.
0: They headed through the jungle on foot toward a village believed to be sympathetic to the Viet Cong.
2: I had a backpack speaker with the tape and my weapon and some extra ammunition and a couple of grenades and the canteen. And we went at least a kilometer, maybe two, being very careful because it was nighttime, and you know, we clearly didn't want to get ambushed.
0: When the village was in sight, maybe 100 meters, just through the trees, they stopped.
2: We set the speaker up, and we angled it you know, up into the air about uh, 40, 45 degrees, and then pointed it toward the village.
5: <laughs>
2: and then started the broadcast. And uh, as as the sound came in, I turned up the volume, so it sounded like it was coming closer to people who were hearing it. It was
0: very eerie, very
4: eerie.
0: What Chad was broadcasting off that magnetic tape in the middle of the night, seeping into the dreams of those sleeping, was far heavier than he ever could have known. He was tapping into a long, cruel, very present history.
1: The ghost stories, we don't take it easily.
0: Again, An Nguyen, who says Vietnam history is filled with violence. They suffered under Chinese rule for a thousand years, and after that, under the brutal colonialism of France.
1: Back in the late 1930s, the French Navy entered Hue City through the port, and their navies sailed up the rivers, and they killed every Vietnamese in sight. Thousands and thousands of people died for no reason. During the World War II, the French take away their rice. Their troops take all the rice. Two million Vietnamese died due to starvation, and knowing that they took no action.
0: And at this point, we're in the middle of the Vietnam War,
1: GIs still patrol on
0: 44 which would go on for another
1: decade. Families. They lost so much. And the noise of the wandering soul, it reminded them in a personal manner.
0: And An's family is no exception.
1: I had a young cousin who died during the offensive 1968. His body never recovered. It, it disappeared somewhere in the mountains. So the ghost... Wandering around with nowhere to go, and, sc- and 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 just like screaming. And so,
0: when Chad was playing I,
1: I this, he
0: didn't know it. I mean, I was, but I to... he was tearing at an open wound. And I mean, this tape was played to many quiet villages, to many soldiers hiding in the jungle.
3: Do do we know if this thing worked? I mean, they did studies. They would get um, these defectors and and, and interview them.
0: Again, historian Eric Villard.
3: And say, you know, what type of message was most effective on you? And so we have some basic data, but like in terms of the wandering soul in particular, that messaging, um, we're still not entirely sure how successful that was. Okay, got it. I mean— I've always thought that part of the reason that the United States not only did the sort of wandering souls message in the first place, but why we're still fascinated is almost more about us as a society than it is about the Vietnamese.
0: I've been thinking a lot about what Eric means by this. And here's where I've landed the Vietnam War still hangs over all of us. Talking to these veterans, the horrors they endured, the, the, the things they were asked and ordered to do, it, is just unimaginable.
2: Yeah, it is. You know, I'm, Christ, what, I'm, I'm what, 21 years old, and it was my job.
1: I still remember clearly the Marines, 19 years old, as well as so many North Vietnamese army, killed in front of our house in Vietnam. They are screaming voice in agonies and shouting in pain.
0: Each year on Wandering Souls Day, when the veil between the land of the living and the dead is the thinnest, the Vietnamese leave out offerings of food for their dead family members. They sing, They dance, they feast, they release birds from cages, fishes from bowls, and burn ceremonial offerings. For us here in the U.S., there's so much shame, anger, and trauma mixed together, and no real national cultural way to deal with these things. We don't speak of the ghosts that haunt us. But they're definitely there.
3: that's our security door opening.
0: And the souls of those ghosts are lingering right here in our nation's capital. It has a little bit of a feel of like a, of a library. Okay,
3: take my jacket off.
0: I went to D.C. to visit Eric.
3: We are at the Center of Military History here in uh, Fort McNair.
0: And the largest collection of raw interviews with Vietnam soldiers in the world.
3: The whole wall is filled with our Vietnam interview collection. —
0: Shelf after shelf, row after row, of carefully labeled boxes full of cassette tapes. And so when were these captured? — So
3: these are the result of these military history detachment teams. —
0: Eric says the military was always trying to improve, and so when a battle was over or an ambush survived, they'd send out these historians who would sit down with the soldiers in tents or offices or wherever they could find a relatively quiet spot, they'd take out a tape recorder.
3: Pop in a tape and ask, so, what happened?
0: Can I just look at one of these cassettes?
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let me give you. Uh, let me give you 169. So you he
0: just it. pulled one off the shelf at random. It's a beautiful cassette.
5: Conducted with Captain Robert G. Hoop. Uh, all right, Captain Hoop 9, uh, uh, consideration of, of uh, command and communications for this mission, would you care to uh, discuss that subject? Uh,
0: the format of these interviews was just dry, basic, unedited data capture. The idea, Eric says, was to preserve as much as they could about a moment in the war so that they could then recreate what had happened, figure out what had gone right, what had gone wrong. And in previous wars, this hadn't really been possible.
3: But by the 60s, you could go out with a cassette recorder, right, that you bought in Hong Kong, pop in a tape or a reel-to-reel, and do these interviews.
0: Thanks to those efforts and technology, we, we still have all this information. But Eric says that a happy byproduct of this is that preserved in the information is… — A piece of someone. —
3: Still here on Earth. —
0: It's just one moment in a young man's life. Some of the time he spent on this Earth is recorded right here.
3: Tells you something about who they were and you know, what they went through. Uh, the amount of bodies in there, I do not know. We did uncover two
0: of them, but they were uh, dead quite a while. He sounds very solid. Uh, there were small to start with. Uh, he sounds very tired. And less than two months after this interview, during combat in a pineapple plantation, he was hit, probably by an RPG, and died of multiple fragmentation wounds. He was 29. And there are hundreds and hundreds of
1: these. Testing one, two, three, four, five, six... Lieutenant Young, would you describe the operation that led to General Bond's uh, death?
2: This is a combat after action interview report with Lieutenant Rowe. I was first platoon leader of D Troop 17th Cav at that time. Body count was about 29 bodies that we
5: found. And I was on a mission one April. My platoon leader was there.
1: Was he laying on the ground? He was laying on the
3: ground when I got there. We've got like all these ghost voices. And in, in a way, I feel like these audio tapes are kinda of like these wandering souls. You know, sitting in our archives. You know, on our shelves. Just just asking us to listen to them. This is when I discovered he was one of them.
5: There was a very big stream of blood pumping with every heartbeat. They had to cut off a body that they were raising on a horse.
4: Chau
5: bị we We're dropping, the neck, and mouth, facial, he man with the ak
1: Young Robert.
0: don't understand it. Next week, the story of how the cassette tape created the internet. Mixtape is reported, produced, scored, and sound designed by me, Simon Adler, with original music throughout by me. Indispensable reporting and production assistance was provided by Eli Cohen. This episode was produced by Annie McEwen with original music by Annie, and had original reporting contributed by Trong Dong Vo and Nguyen Van Ha. Our voice actors were David Lee Nguyen, Toford Noh, Merc Nguyen, and Maggie Hai Trong. I'd like to give a special thanks to uh, Alison Barcia, Jared Tracy, and Herb Friedman, and to Matthew Campbell for uh, introducing me to the Wandering Soul tape to begin with, and to Eric Villard for his help pulling those tapes and voices for us. I'm Simon Adler. And we will have another tape for you next week.
1: Radio Lab was created by Jada Abumrad and is edited by Soren Wheeler. Lulu Miller and Latif Nasser are our co hosts, Susie Lechtenberg is our executive producer, and Dylan Keefe is our director of sound design. Our staff includes Simon Adler, Jeremy Bloom, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusick, W. Harry Fortuna, David Gable, Maria Paz Gutierrez, Sindhunyana Sambandam, Matt Kilty, Annie McEwen, Alex Neeson, Sarah Kari, Ariane Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster. With help from Tanya Chabla, Shima Oliai, and Sarah Sonbach. Our fact checkers are Diane Kelly, Emily Krieger, and Adam Shabil.